This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, Lee, in this coronavirus, this COVID-19, we have a guest today who says, you know what, when it's time, it's go time for the business and for you professionally in your career, don't just return to normal, return to better. Gosh, I love that. What do you think? Uh, Absolutely. And I think that we've all been changed for better or for worse through this experience. But quite frankly, a lot of us have been changed for the better. So we, we have to bring that to work. But then, you know, it's time to get back to professional development as well. And so, uh, I needed to, I looked, needed to search the earth far and wide for an expert on this particular topic, and I just had to look down at the end of my street. <laughs> That's right. There he is. Right. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I am C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel, not at SalesFuel, but right from my home office as well. And, that's right. And right <laughs> up the street from David Veach, who teaches leaders how to love, learn, and let go. L cubed, I guess I would say. The actions following these decisions create an engaging workplace that harnesses the creative and productive power of people. Began his leadership journey 20 years of service in the Army. Thank you for your service, David. Still actively learning, author of Leader Sites, creating great leaders who create great workplaces. And the messages today will inspire you and your teams to obliterate obstacles, get out of the way, coronavirus, accelerate innovation, and elevate performance. So uh, don't return to normal. Welcome, David. Return to better. What's the definition of that? Explain. The definition of that is, is I hear so many people talking about, I can't wait till things go back to normal. I can't wait till things mm-hmm. go back to normal. I, I think we can all agree that normal is, is gone, right? So there is no returning to normal. If we go back to normal, we are actually stepping backwards. We're doing things worse than we were before. So there are lots of things we can do right now to make ourselves and our organizations better so that when the quarantine lifts, we can return to better instead of returning to normal. Okay, what's the number one? Uh, what's your favorite one out of the multiples? My favorite one is for leaders to define some specific learning objectives for their teams and to learn together. Um, so mm-hmm. I, sent a, I sent a little email out today. Uh, I was reminded in a, a little reading uh, that the most effective way to learn is to play. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and it's not playing like a game in competition with somebody else. It's just playing with a toy. And if you watch kids play with toys, you can see that they experiment and things and they'll throw the, the toy around and they'll try to break it and they'll try to fix it. And they'll learn all these things without disrupting their reality, right? So the lesson is we can still learn by playing as adults, but the toys are a little bit different. We can still play with Legos and things, but we can build simulations. We can build models. We can build whatever we need to do to experiment. Uh, And we can experiment mentally as well, which makes it a great opportunity for us now during this quarantine to do some mental kind of simulations to solve some problems and to improve some processes back at work so that when we return, we can return to better. 
So what would be the first thing that a, that a manager should do? Let's say that we get the all clear and we're allowed to go back to the office, even if it's optional and we have to social distance and we have to wear a mask and everything like that. What's the first thing that a, that a manager should do to help his team, his or her team return to better rather than normal? I, I guess I got to start by having them step back. And if they, if you don't have a plan to return, mm-hmm. you better have a plan. So I would say the first thing is to execute the first step on your plan. So get together now, make a plan for what's going to happen when we eventually return. Um, if they don't have a plan, uh, it's, it's just going to be a mess. So um, the first thing I would recommend doing is, is go through and find something you want your team to be better at. Uh, what's a process that you use frequently that has been frustrating in the past? What can we do to do it differently going forward? We're already learning wonderful new ways to collaborate and wonderful new, mm-hmm. new ways to communicate. Uh, leaders should be learning wonderful new ways to manage by walking around, uh, even though we can't walk around. Uh, how are we checking in on our folks to not to check up on them, but to make sure they have everything they need to succeed? And while you're doing that, build that plan for the return. Um, we should be able to keep some of the good new processes that we're learning now and just keep on doing them. I mean, I had, to, I had a virtual Easter dinner with my kids this weekend, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and my kids are, my kids range in age from uh, mid-30s to mid-20s. Um, so my, my oldest, uh, my daughter, she lives in Baltimore. Uh, she has a wife and two kids at home. She normally works mostly virtually. So, um, you know, she would go into the office one day a week or so, and the rest of the time um, she works virtually. Uh, but now with the kids and her wife at home, uh, it's, she's really struggling trying to find the right time. So she's ready for them to go back to daycare, and her wife to go back to work, <laughs> so she can get back to being better at home. Uh, my youngest, uh, he's a, he works for a marketing firm in Austin. He says, um, this has been great. You know, we, we've been here, we've used um, Zoom and we've used um, all kinds of different tools to stay connected to their friends and they've built their friends network. Uh, the coolest thing was they had a, they had a Zoom based beer pong tournament. Okay. That, that oh, he, he was the runner up, he said. <laughs> Yeah, that, so I, I would, uh, what I'm hearing you say basically is uh, check in on them, don't check up on them. Yes. And the other thing that I would think about would be, think about the lessons that we've learned or the new skills that we have learned by being quarantined and being away from each other for better than a month, maybe two, by the time that you hear this podcast. And let's take some of those things where we're and adapt them then to our, to our current processes once, once we get back to work. An example of that would be in sales, for example, a lot of salespeople have had now to get used to, instead of calling on people in person, if you're an outside sales rep, you know, using the Zoom calls and uh, the go-to meetings and doing the video chats and everything like that was like, if we brought that back in, into our process now when things quote unquote return to normal, uh, then we can make so many more sales calls and get some and touch so many more people and serve so many more clients than we could doing it the old way before the, the pandemic happened. So uh, I would look at anything that, you know, that, that, that we have been disrupted by that we knew things that we've had to do to deal with the pandemic or whatever, and see if we can bring those into uh, normal course of business. 
Exactly. If we found something that works for us now with all these constraints, why would we stop doing it just because we don't have the constraint anymore? If it works, if it's better. I was thinking too, when, when I read, you know, be, come back better. I, that message resonated with me in, in a personal leadership way, which is, you know, this is making leaders that were entrenched and had dug their heels in and hadn't changed processes in, you know, 15 years, forcing them to be more flexible. Oh, yeah. And um, what do you do um, about team members that are having a little bit of trouble adapting? Uh, you stay in touch with them. I mean, yeah. you meet more frequently. Uh, one of the things that I, I recommend that everybody does is to uh, have a quick team huddle at the beginning of every day. Okay. So get them all on zoom or get them all on go to meeting or whatever your chosen medium is. Uh, but every single day have a quick huddle that says, here's what happened yesterday. what did we get done? Uh, where'd you have problems? Um, what do you got planned for today? What kind of resources do you need? Who needs help? And just every single day touch in with the team in the morning to get started. It should be seven to 10 minutes. Boom. Um, and that's something you can continue doing uh, when we return to better uh, at, as the quarantine lifts, uh, because that communication that comes from that uh, is just invaluable in building the team identity and building the team relationship structures and everything else. So um, let's start with that. And then in that huddle, um, you're going to find where people are struggling. You're going to find where people are having some problems. And then you make plans to go back to that person the same day and spend a little extra time with them, find out how you can provide better support for them, find out what they need, and try to meet those needs. And if, as long as leaders are putting the needs of their team above their own, mm -hmm. um, I think they're in the right place. Tell me about your philosophy of making decisions uh, to love, to learn, to, and to let go. What does that mean? Well, yeah, that just played right into this, is, is uh, every day to be more effective, uh, leaders need to make those three decisions. If you decide you're going to love your people and love your work, what does that, what does that do for you? Okay. So, uh, this is not an emotional kind of thing. This isn't, Oh my God, I can't wait to have group hugs with people. No, no, no. It's, it's, this is simply a decision that you make that places the needs of them above your own. So I'm going to understand your needs and do everything I can to satisfy those needs before I'll work on satisfying my own. And generally what, how that works out is, is it becomes a very reciprocal arrangement. People are very grateful for what you're doing for them, and then they end up busting their tails to do more for you. Um, the second one is learn. Uh, the most important thing for leaders to learn after making that first decision to love is to understand what their people need. So they've got to communicate effectively with those folks. They've got to talk to them every single day, understand what they need to be better and to grow uh, and then work to provide that. So if, if somebody's weak in a particular skill, uh, you don't just say, hey, go take this online learning course. You say, all right, well, let's, let's find an online learning course that we can all do together. Uh, so nobody feels like they're inadequate or they're behind the curve or they're anything like that. We wanna bring the whole team together and have them all work together more effectively. So let's learn more effectively. And that third one is to let go. Um, this is a, a little bit of a tricky one because uh, where leaders run into problems is when they try to control too much, right? We've all had leaders that, that wanted to be intimately involved in our stuff. Uh, and it gets really annoying when those leaders tell us how to do things or make decisions for us uh, when we can do that ourselves. 
And so leaders need to, to let go of the need to control everything. And I think this quarantine is probably, is probably helping a lot of people get through that, but I'm sure there's a lot of angst and anxiety with people losing their sense of control. Mm-hmm. The micromanagers must be going nuts right now. Oh man, <laughs> meltdown! Um, yeah. So what I what I recommend is a is a technique called short interval leadership. Uh, where oh, what's that? Yeah. It's it's a it's a regular check with all of your folks at regular intervals of time, uh, multiple times during every day. Uh, just checking in with your team. Now, if your team is 120 people, that's kind of a problem. So mm-hmm. we need to kind of address the organizational structure and, and how to break this work into smaller teams so we can be more effective and develop leaders and develop people better. Let's start with smaller teams. Um, get around to everybody every day. And uh, like I said earlier, um, see where they're having problems, see where they're not having problems, see what their needs are and work to satisfy those needs. So you pop in and they say, Hey, I need this. That, that doesn't necessarily mean you say, here's the answer. Uh, right. Cause our job as leaders is to develop these people. Uh, so when they have a need like that or when they have a problem like that, uh, we need to go into coaching mode, which means we're going to ask a lot of questions and try to bring them through that problem so they can solve it themselves. And then we know next time they'll be able to solve it themselves uh, and, and I won't have to get involved as intimately. I'm still going to come by. I'm still going to check. I'm still going to see if they conquered that problem, uh, but I'm not going to, intervene and make the decision for them and get in their business. That's where a lot of managers make mistakes when they're coaching because they end, they end up spouting, you know, and, and they're waxing nostalgic and they're giving advice, you know, instead of asking questions and letting them figure out for themselves. When they figure it out for themselves, they already have buy-in because it, it came from them. It didn't come from you. That's exactly right. But it's, it is, I got to tell you, it's a tall order for most people because we, we as humans, we have this high need for control, right? We need to be in control of the stuff that, that's around us. Uh, and so uh, if we don't have systems that allow us to retain a sense of control, it makes it really hard for us to actually let go. And some people are just naturally hardwired that way. Some people need, have a driving need for control more than other people do. So that, you know, you take that into consideration. If you happen to work for one of those types of people, well, uh, what would you recommend then if you're an employee and you work for a boss then that can't let go of the control? Uh, be ready for them. Um, be, uh, be prepared uh, to overload them with everything that you've done so before that they can start making decisions, micromanaging, you have already done that. And if you need some help from your team members to do that, um, call your team members to say, look, I know he's coming around. I know he's going to tell me to do this. Um, what can I do to be ready for that? And uh, typically, if we want, we, uh, we need leaders to make decisions when it's a time for the leader to make a decision. But for them to make better decisions, we as followers need to prepare the argument so that they know what we've thought through and what kind of options we've come up with and how we've assessed those options. So when they come by and say, Hey, look, I had this problem. Uh, Here's what's causing it. I think we could do either a B C or D Uh, based on my analysis. I think D is going to be the best option. And here's the story. What do you think? And then the boss is going to be like, Oh, well, um, or, 
Yeah, it really okay. works so much better, not only that the boss knows their employees so well, but that their employees know their boss so well that they can almost predict, you know, what's going to happen and prepare for it. And also then, but more importantly, to prepare the boss for uh, the decision that needs to be made or, or you know, whatever circumstance may, may arise. Exactly. It's not, it's not like an undermining thing. It's a preparation thing. Okay. We're all going to be better off if we do our own homework. Um, Mm -hmm. Leaders, I think, are going to need to teach people what they need to make those decisions. Um, and uh, again, I want I want to I want to ask the senior leaders to meet with their subordinate leaders to develop their skills as well. So when I talk about the leader going around and touching base with the team, the next level up is that set of leaders at that level meeting with their boss, and that's another team. And that climbs uh, up the hierarchy until until you get to the CEO who has several direct reports uh, and she's the team leader for that team. But I go into so many organizations where I've got a a strong leader, good, capable leader, and they've got capable deputies, but every one of the deputies is like focused on their little silo. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they have a responsibility collectively to maintain the organization. And you don't have to have the title of manager or supervisor to be that person either, because just like, on, like say on a football team, you have all the coaches and the coordinators and everything like that, but you have captains on the field. And so you've got yes. captains out on your field as well, you know, who can, who can lead people, even though they don't have hiring authority or they're not doing evaluations or anything like that, but they are perceived as leaders by the other members of the team. Yeah, absolutely. You know that we're already relying on those folks. I mean, your team members are are going to that person whenever they need help, especially if you're the kind of boss who uh, who hovers too much, right? Um, so there are people on the team that emerge as those leaders, and our job then as leaders is to identify and cultivate cultivate those folks for the succession of the organization. How can we get them into the formal leadership development channel so that they can be in that role when we really need them? I know um, it's interesting, the, the leader who you think is a control freak, you don't know why he's assuming that he's going to swoop in and to this department and think that, well, they, they, they never have it done, so I'm just going to go in and, you know, do it and take over. Mm-hmm. And to have a person come to them and say, oh, well, you know, recommend this, this, and this, and I've already done this and this, you may take that leader and have him go, Oh, thank God. This is great. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, that one less thing to worry about. Fantastic. You know, and so it's not always like guilty. The the person that we don't know why that person is behaving that way, but it's refreshing to have somebody solve your problem before you show up. I don't know any leader uh, who would, who would argue against that kind of presentation. Yeah. Right. And and you, you show me the problem and you show me what you're, (laughs) you're doing about it. Yeah, I, I don't have to solve every problem. The problem is, in most organizations, everybody's used to the leader solving the problem. Right. And until we can break that cycle of the leader solving the problem, people are going to wait. I'm going to wait until the boss comes around. I'm going to ask her what to do. Well, don't. Just figure out what to do. Always consider multiple options. Understand how you're going to choose the difference between one and the other. So what are the, what are the evaluation factors, if you will? You know, what's, going, what's the most important? Is one cheaper? Is one better? Is one longer? Whatever. Um, but we, I think we've got to really cultivate those skills. And the person to do that is the leader. 
the leader has got to build their own skills to be able to coach effective problem solving and to be able to coach people to say, if you can do this, this, and this, and bring that to me, then we can make a decision. Uh, but one of the things that I don't like to hear is, uh, um, this is like a pointy haired boss thing from Dilbert, right? Um, <laughs> don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Okay. I, I don't want that to happen either because I want visibility to all the problems and I want people to be free to say, I got a problem. I'm and working I don't on know it. how to solve it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm working on it, but that's, I might need some help, point. Yeah. something like that. So uh, we, we've got to be able to, we got to be able to get people out of this kind of culture of compliance where they, they wait mm -hmm. for the leader to say things. So we get them involved, we get them excited, then we get them engaged. And ultimately, if we have enough people engaged, we build this culture around this engagement where people are actively seeking and actively solving problems on a recurring basis, whether that's just a process improvement thing or really solving a difficult problem with the customer. Leadersites.com is your website, David. Twitter at David Veach, V-E-E-C-H. And if you go to his website, he's got a free copy of the C4 process, Four Vital Steps to Better Work. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we wrap? Yeah, the C4 book is uh, uh, it's a scientific problem-solving process. That uh, it, It's a kind of an evolution of PDCA, which has been around for a while, uh, Plan, Do, Check, Act. A lot of organizations are using that. I taught that for like 15 years before. I said, this is just too complicated. People are not planning properly. So how can I simplify this? So the C4 is my simplification. And, and the C4 just stands for concern, cause, countermeasure, and confirm. And there's tips in that book and tools in that book uh, and other downloads available when you download the book that are going to help you build your skills in problem solving and teach those skills to your people so we can have the results that we're talking about and go back to better. Fantastic. Well, David, thanks for being on the show. We have great thoughts. All of it. Fantastic Thank ideas. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.